Welcome to the Amphenol Frontline Podcast, where we share success stories and best practices of Amphenol management throughout the corporation. This episode features Rick Schneider, Senior Advisor to the CEO. Rick has been leading the COVID-19 efforts to provide guidance and best practices to all of the facilities and divisions in Amphenol. We focus this discussion on two key components to keeping our employees safe in the very near future, automated temperature screening and contact tracing as together we combat the coronavirus pandemic around the world. Rick, you have been at the forefront of this COVID-19 response by Amphenol throughout the corporation, uh, being an advisor to Adam as we touch on all different sorts of aspects of the business, from best practices to guidelines and so on and so forth. And while I think we've you know, we're constantly working in the the best practices and keeping the health and safety of our employees at the forefront uh, of our minds and our efforts uh, throughout the past you know couple of months and continuing to this day and will continue for quite some time. We've also started to transition our focus a little bit now towards uh, automating some of these processes that will be a part of our daily lives in our factories for the foreseeable future including temperature testing. Uh, we'll take that one first. So could you talk a little bit about the the efforts and some of the options and things that we're looking at at a, at a corporate level as far as some of the testing that we will have the ability to implement here in the short term? Sure. And I guess before I start, Chris, I guess I'd like to just quickly just kind of acknowledge the great work that all of our businesses and our general managers and their teams are doing around the world. Um, you know, our response here has been uh, has been nothing short of amazing, right, relative to the threat that's been posed by the coronavirus uh, to all of our people. And you're quite right, as you described. Now, I think we're at a we're at a different phase as we're now thinking kind of longer term about what we have to do to. Uh, and I like to use I like to use the phrase uh, kind of fortify our facilities, fortify our factories to uh, to safeguard our people even more securely than what we have so far. And certainly, you know, part of that is, you know, how do we uh, make sure that people are healthy coming into our facilities? Uh, and one of those things that we're currently doing, and we're doing that manually for the most part, is, is checking people's temperatures uh, to make sure that somebody who isn't already uh, somewhat symptomatic does not get into the facility. So, um, you know, what we're looking to do uh, for the most part here is to try to implement an automatic process uh, using infrared cameras. Uh, and we're working with a number of suppliers right now. We've uh, we've got a number of systems on order. A number of systems have been uh, deployed into our facilities, um, especially in uh, in Asia, especially in China, uh, where these systems are really uh, very easy to set up, um, and they're they're accurate enough for you know for screening. So people just basically have to kind of walk in through the entranceway. Camera um, acquires their image quickly takes their temperature, compares against what the set point is. And uh, if the temperature is above the set point, then you know the system alarms and uh, we go to a manual temperature process to make sure that uh, folks are still below the 100 degrees Fahrenheit um, uh, set point that we're using, right, for people as they're kind of coming in and out. Um, we think that these automatic systems have got really significant advantages. Number one, it takes, it takes uh, a person out of risk 
who is the person taking the temperatures. You obviously don't want to have somebody in that role for a very long period of time where they have to interface with all these people kind of coming in and coming out. Right. Um, and, um, and potentially violating social distancing, even though they may be wearing the proper uh, PPE. Uh, and certainly in our larger facilities, um, you know, we have, you know, we don't want to put people into position where they're crowding and they're waiting, trying to get into the facility. And so this uh, temperature screening process is, is much faster than the, than the manual process. So we hope to have um, a number of systems available for our, our GMs and for our facilities to use. And we're hoping that uh, and expecting that most of our facilities will have these installed in the coming months. Um, and, and really, the cost is not an obstacle to that. These systems are very economical. Again, they're very easy to use so that even our smallest offices can really uh, implement an automated temperature screening process. Are we currently using any right now in any of the facilities? We are. Uh, we are using uh, uh, some systems in some of our larger facilities uh, around the world. Um, again, we've got multiple suppliers which are doing that, but uh, especially in, in our facilities in China where we've got these um, implemented already. And, you know, and for the most part, uh, you'll see these systems uh, being used in many, many places uh, in, in China, especially, but also yeah. other places in Asia where, uh, where people are traveling, for example, mass transit areas, airports. Um, but, um, you know, it's very commonplace to see these systems and they're used a lot. Um, and we have them installed at a number of our facilities around the world already, and they're working uh, quite well. And so once they identify someone who is above the threshold what is then the process um, once you once you identify that person? So again, the system will automatically alarm, um, and, and many of these systems are also kind of gathering uh, data so that at least we also have a record of uh, of not so much uh, individual temperatures, but you know, kind of pass fail process. Mm -hmm. Uh, but then the system alarms. Uh, there's an audible alarm typically that goes with it, as well as there's an alarm that's sent. Uh, to the person who's kind of monitoring that system, who's uh, who's able to kind of maintain a self dist safe distance from the people that are being tested. Uh, so when it does alarm, then we use the normal um, scanning thermometer, which you know has to be applied with very close proximity uh, to check the person's temperature from forehead standpoint. And if uh, that violates our our upper set point, then um, we're going to ask that person to uh, not commit to the facility, go home. Uh, contact their uh, their health provider, uh, and then monitor for symptoms, and then if necessary, also get tested. Right now, as you as you pointed out, the vast majority of, the, of our facilities, especially in in America, have been manual temperature screening. Um, it, the The struggle right now, as you said, has been you know if nothing else, just the the amount of time it takes in order to do those for a shift change or or whatever it may be. How much time, just in general, doesn't have to be specific minutes, but how much will this save as far as time and, and, and resources in order to do this? Well, when you think about the typical process of the, the manual process, I mean, there's a big, the biggest part of this is just kind of queuing up, getting set, getting organized. You know, in that cycle time, if things are working well, is probably on the order of, uh, you know, kind of 15 to 30 seconds. Mm -hmm. uh, you need a little bit of time for the for the temperature to register and so forth. But, you know, call it let's call it, you know, 20 to 30 seconds on average. Right. And so these automated systems can typically acquire a person and then uh, and then register temperature in about five seconds. 
Okay. So basically kind of step into place, uh, place hold that it's marked on the floor, make sure in the right distance and right orientation with the, uh, with the uh, camera. Camera acquires you and uh, very quickly acquires your temperature and ready to go. Similar to what you see in airports even, not the same type of temperature scanning, but those types of systems. Yeah, that's right. So um, in fact, um, we have some um, uh, fixturing that's similar to that, which is uh, very much like, uh, you know, like, a, uh, like the screening that you go through at the airport uh, when they're checking you for metals. Um, and a camera can be mounted to that, right? So you basically just kind of walk through. Uh, you, you have to hesitate a second as the camera requires you and you go through, but it's a very similar kind of thing. Uh, but uh, for the most part, much simpler kind of setup where the camera just sits on a tripod. Mm -hmm. uh, and again, we just have kind of a marked off area where the person has to kind of stand on the X. Camera requires you and, and you're good to go. And it's a, it's a very rapid, um, very reliable process. The other systems that we're looking at deal with once we're in the factory, and that has to do with contact tracing. Just briefly explain, if you can, the the concept of of concept tracing. So obviously, we're gonna we're, we're doing everything we can to prevent uh, any infectious people from uh, coming into our facilities. However, we know that uh, people who are not showing symptoms can also be infectious, uh, and that's kind of a proven fact. Uh, we don't know what percentage of people are, are, are catching uh, COVID-19 from people who are asymptomatic or pre-symptomatic, uh, but some of the studies suggest that that could be as high as 30 or 40 percent. So that being the case, um, that, that really uh, cries out that you have to do a few things. One is everybody needs to be wearing a mask all the time. So a mask is, uh, if everybody's wearing a mask, it significantly reduces the possibility of anybody transmitting any kind of virus because the, the surgical masks, which we're using in most of our factories, are very effective at screening that out. Right. Um, so... Um, Having said that, I mean, uh, the other really important thing is to try to maintain social distancing. So uh, the virus really can't travel very far, especially if uh, if you're wearing a mask. Uh, so it's very important to try to keep that six foot or two meter spacing. Um, and again, it's, it becomes more important the longer, uh, longer the time that you're potentially spending with another person. Right. So your risk is higher if you're you know, very close and spend a lot of time together. Um, so you want to be able to first keep that distance, reduce the time, wear a mask. But in the unlikely event, and again, we're trying to really reduce the possibility of this, but in the unlikely event that somebody uh, does test positive um, or, or is sick and, and happens to be at work, let's say they're pre-symptomatic, I mean, we want to be able to rapidly understand who that person may have come in contact with. And if you think about the sequencing of this, um, again, if you assume that uh, the person's not sick yet, they're not symptomatic, um, but they could be infectious, which can occur two to four days before they start showing symptoms. Um, so let's say that person comes into work and they're at work for a few days and then they start showing symptoms uh, and then they don't come to work and they tell us that they're, that they're symptomatic. Um, we're going to want to know immediately, okay, well, who did you come in contact with? Who were you, you know, potentially, you know, inside of that six foot um, radius um, or even, you know, six to 10 feet. We like to be able to understand kind of even in that, in maybe in that little bit of that gray zone. 
Mm-hmm. So think about uh, whether or not you can remember who you spent time with, you know, four days ago yeah. or five days ago. Right. Right. And and, you know, and and in today's world, it takes time to be tested. Right. So, you know, you may not even have a positive COVID-19 test until several days after that. So now we're asking you, well, who did you come in contact with seven days ago? And I can't remember a lot of times who I came in contact with yesterday. Right. Never mind. Uh, never mind seven days ago. So we're looking uh, to try to uh, deploy some systems that would help us do that that contact tracing by um, either using cell phones, which we don't think is probably the right approach, or using some kind of a wearable, whether it's a wristband or uh, something that looks like a badge or mm-hmm. something that you wear on a lanyard that is a sensor that essentially then interacts with other sensors as you're working and as you're, you know, as you're moving during the day uh, and then kind of recording that data so that we can then see in the event of, of a potential transmission, right? Which other sensors this particular sensor came in contact with. So which people you, you potentially kind of came in contact with. There's some, there's some really interesting technology out there um, uh, that uh, people have been using for other uh, other uh, applications, which have now started to come into play. And we're in the process of running uh, some trials from some potential suppliers uh, to see how this would work. So these systems also, in addition to the contact tracing, also can potentially help um, our employees maintain that social distance by, uh, by giving them some indications that they're coming within that six-foot zone. So a reminder of that that could be a little beep or could be a little buzz. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think those things also are very helpful to us just in terms of helping to reinforce the right behavior. So these, uh, this is probably a little bit further out, uh, but as I said, we're in the process of doing some trials right now. Uh, and we hope to have results from those trials and uh, hopefully get to the point where we can actually select uh, one or two suppliers that then uh, could be utilized in our, in our facilities around the world. Um, some of the, uh, some of the um, monitoring and the mapping uh, technology is very sophisticated. Um, so it allows us to see maybe where we've got some ch- choke points in some of our facilities, you know, from a social distancing standpoint. Um, but certainly uh, this, this can turn the contact tracing from a manual exercise where you're you know, interviewing the person that's potentially ill or is ill. Uh, and that takes you days to essentially kind of figure out, well, who did I talk to? And then get all those people, you know, traced and found out and contact them to a process which can take literally seconds to right, minutes, right. right, to identify all the potential contacts and then being able to kind of uh, uh, talk to those folks. And it's, and it's important. It's important for us to then be able to tell all the, all the people that this person came in contact with, even though we believe the risk is low, if we're maintaining the social distancing and wearing a mask and doing all the right things. Um, but it's important to notify those people quickly. And then those folks who have been in contact, we also want them to uh, not commit to facilities, stay at home, quarantine. Um, we'll have testing available for everybody so that we can see whether or not uh, these people are actually affected and have uh, evidence of the virus. Uh, and then uh, keep everybody else safe. Uh, I think as, as you've heard, as, as everybody's heard uh, in the public space, uh, most everybody's saying this is going to be kind of a critical component of uh, trying to keep the virus at very low levels, try to prevent an increase in community spread by quickly identifying any cases and then doing the contact tracing to then make sure that there's no further 
uh, no further um, uh, infectious propagation that's kind of going on through that. Well, Rick, this is this is great information, and I have a hundred more questions about this. But I think what we'll do for now is just kind of use this as maybe an intro to these topics, because we'll probably have the opportunity to almost make this like a series of some things that we're doing in the future, if that's okay with you. Um, because we could make this probably an hour and a half between the two of us. So, sure. But I think absolutely. it's. A- but- I think just to put a plug in there, Chris, for uh, Frontline, so yeah. our our site on Amphenol Connections, where uh, we have links to our suppliers, uh, we'll be showing updates of uh, the progress with our trials, uh, and allow people to kind of quickly and rapidly kind of get up to speed on some of these technologies. And if anybody is interested in trying to acquire um, some of the systems that we talked about, um, feel free to reach out to me or Dave Silverman or anybody on the Frontline team. Uh, we're available, and we want to work with you, and we want to help facilitate uh, you taking these further actions to keep all your people safe. Excellent, Rick. Thank you very much, and I know we'll talk again soon about this. Thanks. All right. Thanks, Chris.